Thank you for tuning in to the Crossover Podcast. We hope this message inspires you and grows your faith. To learn more about Crossover, visit our website at crossovernorman.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Crossover Norman. Enjoy the message. Do you want to know, let's see if there's any cheaters yet. Okay, no cheat screens yet. Do you want to know what I talk to about more than anything when I go and talk to probably, uh, probably 30, 32 years old and younger people, what I talk to more about than anything when I do one-on-one meetups with, with somebody. Let's just take a guess. Relationships, that's a strong number two, all right? That's a strong number two. The one thing that I talk about more than anything, more than relationships, more than sin and shame, right? The thing that I talk about more than anything is a little thing called the call, right? Anybody with me? The call. Somehow in, in our conversation, we start working through their life, their testimony or non-testimony. I start getting to know who they are. Somewhere in that conversation, they're going to say, man, you know what? I'm just really like, I'm just wondering what the call of God is in my life. I'm trying to really seek what the will of God is for my life. I'm really just ready. Like, Lord, I'm ready. Like, tell me, right? I'm just ready to listen. Somehow we're going to talk about the call of God to their life. Now, I don't want to downplay this because I think that this is a very big deal because I put myself back at, you know, 19, 20 years old in college and I was a little bit of a, I was a little bit afraid of like picking the wrong like call, right? Like I was worried about picking the wrong like, like program to be a part of and I was afraid of like getting the wrong job because I knew how big of a deal it was. Like I remember like, like writing down like three or four different like things that I wanted to be up. I'm like, Jesus, just tell me like which one's hotter. All right, which one's hotter? What, what, what major do you want me to pick? Oh, this one feels good, right? A little business management, huh? That's what I thought I was going to do, right? A wide array of jobs is going to open up with business management. Jesus was like, no, I want you to preach, bro, all right? But I remember how big of a deal it was for a call. Now, it's funny to me that some of you are so uncertain about the call of God for your life. But if you ever need to break up with that certain somebody and you don't know how to do it, you say, well, you know what? God called me to break up with you. All right, who's done it, right? God told me to do it. It's not you, it's him, right? Come on now. We've all been there. You've either been the one to do it or you've been on the receiving end of it, all right? Students, I believe, listen, I believe in my heart of hearts, the Lord has a calling for each one of you, and I I want you to know that. And it's a big deal. And I believe that he wants to grow in a relationship with each and every one of you. He wants to pour his love into you so you can go pour that love into others. And this is what bothers me. It bothers me as a brother. It bothers me as a minister. It bothers me as a friend. Is that I see a lot of people fall into this trap of doing what is common in this world. And what they do is that they find that right job, they get that right paycheck, right? They get that right house, they get that right family, they do all this, they do what is common in this world, but they don't ever fulfill the calling that God has in their life. You know what I mean? Like, don't get me wrong, like, I love them, 
I mean, they get the right job, they make the right money, they do this and they do that, they have the right car, they do all that there is right and common in this world, but deep down, I promise you, I've counseled thousands, deep down, they are empty. They are empty because they're not doing what the Lord has them to do. Students, listen to this, is that if you are not walking in the groove that Jesus has made for you, Nothing in this world will satisfy you. If you are not walking into the groove that Jesus has made for you, nothing will satisfy you. No matter how much money, how much fame, no matter how much sex, no matter how much drugs, no matter how many friends, no matter how big your home is, how many degrees you have, nothing in this world will satisfy you if you are not walking in the calling that God has placed on your life. It is a big deal, amen? This is who I'm speaking to right now. This is someone who has a proximity to Jesus. You know what Jesus has done for you. You have trusted that. You have walked with that. And people who can say this right now is I'm confused about my calling. You know what? I know who Jesus is. I know what he's done. But, you know, I don't know if I've ever necessarily got a clear understanding of what my calling was. I don't know if I've ever really heard a calling upon my life. That's who I'm talking to today. You know who Jesus is. You've learned about him in the word. You've gone to crossover. You've gone to church. But when it, when, when it comes to exactly what Jesus wants from you, there's a little struggle saying, like, this is exactly what Jesus is saying for me. And I believe that all of us have been in that boat. Right now, I can tell you that I have a calling on my life. My first and foremost calling is I am called to proclaim the, the name of Jesus to everyone that I encounter. I know first and foremost, that was my calling. When I trusted Jesus, he gave me that calling to go pl- proclaim it. Then, guess what happened seven years ago? I got a new calling, not a, or an additional calling. I got this beautiful, blonde, blue-eyed girl. Woo, if there's a Jesus, like, he, he blessed me that day. Amen. To be the best husband, to love her the way that Jesus loves me. And I've got a call in my life for that. But then something changed three years ago. I got another call upon my life. And that's to be a father to three young men, to protect, to, to d- discipline, and disciple my kids to Jesus And the last call in my life right now is to preach and to disciple and to love on crossover Norman. Come on now. That's the call of my life. There's no uncertainty. There's there's nothing greater in my life than knowing the calling of my life. And I feel satisfied in it. I feel fulfilled in it. And it is great to have vision. Now, here's the big question to you is how do we get to the point of knowing our call? I think we can look at today's story. It's a narrative in 1 Samuel. And I, I, I want to simplify things because I know we're a little worn out from school and ice storms, right? Just got power back 30 minutes ago. Praise Jesus. Come on now. Like that's a big deal for the Russell household, all right? But there's three things that I think we want to take away and to discern the call of God in our lives. If you would turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 3. And let's see how it sets us up today. Now the young man Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. 
At the time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel and he said, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am for you called me. But he said, I did not call you. Go and lie down. So he went and laid down. And then the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call you, my son. Go lay lay down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And then the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose and went to Eli. He said, Here I am, and for you called me. Then Eli perceived this, that the Lord was calling the young man. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and if he calls you, you speak. You speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood calling other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel spoke, speak for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel at which two ears of everyone who hears will tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I've spoken concerning his house from the beginning and the end. And I declare to him that I'm about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knows because his sons were blaspheming over God and he did not restrain them. To set you up on what's going here, going on here, students, is Samuel, who was the son of Hannah. Her womb was known to be closed up. She was not able to have children at this time, and she had been praying for a child. And she went to Eli and said, would you intercede for me and let us be able to pray that God would open my, my womb so I could bear a child? And guess what? God blessed her. God blessed her with a son, and she called him Samuel. And because of that great blessing, she knew it was only because of the Lord that she was able to have a son. And she said to, she said to God, as soon as I'm able to wean him, I'm going to give him to the tabernacle for your glory. And so when she was able to wean him, she actually gave him to the tabernacle to be uh, more or less an understudy of Eli, to be able to be a great man of God. See, Eli was known in his early days to do great things, to have uh, great accomplishments in the Lord. But during the time of Samuel, we learn about something, is that Eli's sons have become wicked. He had two sons, Hophni and Phineas, and they also served in the tabernacle, but they did not know the Lord. They violated the law by keeping the, the meat that was meant for sacrifice, and they, 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 they gave them the, the best portions to themselves. They didn't give them over to God. They also had sex with women who served at the doorway and at the tent of the meeting. They had bad behavior that was known throughout the land, and when it was reported to Eli, He found out about it. He went and rebuked his sons, but this is what he failed. He failed to make his sons stop doing what they were doing and allowed them to continue to disrespect the tabernacle. What was happening here, students, is those who were in charge of these people, they started seeing all this and they started changing their vision and their tune and they started taking their eyes and their hearts 
off of God and they started putting it towards their own passions and towards what they wanted. They didn't see God as their savior anymore. They just pushed him aside and they just saw him as something common. Let me say it this way, students. They did what everyone else was doing. They made God an option in their lives. They didn't make God, God in their lives. So when it says here in verse three, verse one, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days and there was no frequent visions, it was no surprise because they took their eyes off of, their eyes and the ears off of God. But God, what he did here was he spoke to Samuel, and this is what we're gonna learn from our three points today. And we see what Samuel does. He goes and he runs to Eli. And I think that what, he, what happens in this encounter is that I think it's something that can grow us. So what can we learn about our call with this narrative? It says here is that we need to first see the source of our calling. In a world where we can get a, a massive load of information, right? Like we can get our cell phones out and it's just like, it's just like dumping into your brain. All this information, all, you know, crammed full of media and we're crammed full of sales ads and everything. See, I believe that we can get a lot of information, but I feel that we get so little truth. Now, one thing to mention here. And I think I can speak to a lot of people who might have fallen under this and they need to hear this. Samuel didn't get it right the first time. For all of you who think that you have done something so wrong and, and you can't get over it and God will never be able to use you or for all those who think, well, I just can never do this right and I failed God so many times. Listen, the great prophet of Samuel, right? The great prophet, he's going to do great and miraculous things. This guy who did great things for Jesus, he didn't even get it right the first time. It took him, what, three, three times to get it right to be able to hear his calling. And guess what happened? God kept on calling him. And if God kept on calling him, I promise you that God's going to keep on calling you. How do we check the source? Two things here. When I'm looking at this section, I just want to kind of tear this, this narrative apart and look at it just a little bit. I think I can look at this and I can see that God, God's call can come through common things. Like Samuel, God's voice to him sounded like Eli's voice. This is something that he knew. Why did he get up and run to Eli? Because he thought it was Eli that was, saying, that was calling him but it was really that God that was calling him. Now, tell me this, students. You can't tell me that God hasn't used somebody else's voice to help you lead down the road. Now, before you start saying, all right, our, our pastor up here, he hears voices in his head. Yes, that's true. All right, I hear some voices. All right, don't send me to, don't send me to the men mental institution just yet. Hear me, all right? I truly believe and I have seen this in my own life. There's been times where I've sat and I finished a sermon and I said, I cannot preach this, Lord. This will not hit. This is not good. This is the worst work that I've ever done. I can't believe I ever wrote this. I want to burn it up, go cast it out into the sea and like go walk the shame line and like cancel crossover and be like, Lord, this is horrible, right? But this is what happens. You ready? 
God will, no lie, he will use my dad's voice and I can hear my dad say, just go have fun with it. Now listen, I know it's my dad's voice, but I know it's my father in heaven who had planted it there. Because when I hear that voice, I can know that, yeah, I need to go have fun with it, but it's also God saying, you know what, I'm in control, you can go have fun with it, it's not your work that's going to be present, it's going to be my work that's going to be present, I'm going to show up, I'm going to do what needs to be done through this sermon, you don't worry about it, let me handle it. God uses other people's voices sometimes to get his calling Across now, listen. There's some. There's there's been multiple times in my life that I think many of us have encountered. It's the time before we sin. Anybody know that moment? That moment when you know you are about to sin, and oh, that sin looks good, does it not? Sinning can be fun. Amen. Can I get an amen on that? Sinning can be fun, right? You heathens. All right. But that time before you sin, there's been times where I'm like. Man, is it worth me sinning and doing this? And for some reason, God will put my little bitty grandmother's voice in my head. I don't even know what she's saying, but she's like, bring it. Like, she's the biggest hick in the world. But when that happens, I'm telling you, I feel that holy hug of the Holy Spirit come over me. And it's like, like, run. And I'm telling you, I've turned around and I've ran out of so many situations because God used something that was common in my life to get his word across. You know, I think that God can use many common things in our life to speak his call. You know, it could be people's voices. I believe it can be something that is common in your life. And I think when it happens, I think you need to be in tune saying, you know what, maybe this is God trying to get my attention over something. Second thing is this. Where are you running? Eli was doing it wrong because he was running to where he already knew to go, and that was the only thing that he knew. Eli got it wrong because on his calling, he didn't know that it was God that was calling him right then. All right, I think the right then is what is important here because how many calls have we missed in our own life because we didn't know it was God that was calling us at that moment? Now, my question when I'm looking at 1 Samuel and I'm just thinking educationally, was there any prerequisites that Samuel had in order to have a calling in his life? You know, did he have to go do 10 like Hail Marys, right, before he got his call from God? Did he have to go get his life straight? Right? Did he have to go get his life straight in order to get a call from God? Did he have to go clean up everything about him, quit sinning for six months, quit doing this for this amount of time? Did he have to go to church every single Sunday? Did he have to not miss a crossover every once in order to get his call from God? No. What this shows me, and I hope that this speaks to everybody who's worried about receiving that call, and I hope I hear the voice of God when when this call comes, what this shows me, students, is that he doesn't have to go and find the call from God. The call of God found Samuel. So when we're worried about going and finding our call, our call's going to come to us, and you need to listen for it. 
Maybe we need to spend a little less time looking for the call and spend a little more time listening to the caller. He ain't silent, is he? He is not a God of confusion. He isn't playing hide and seek with our call and it's like saying, I'm over here, come look for me, right? Like, we think that it's so hard to find God when the Bible even promises, when you seek, you will find. You don't have to find your calling, your calling will find you, students. What was the turning point in all this? What was the turning point in the narrative of 1 Samuel here? And I wish I could write a whole sermon about this, and I probably will next semester. Is a sermon on, on, on younger generation needs to lean on the older generation to help them hear the voice of God. See, Eli, when Samuel ran to him, he perceived something, that the voice of God was telling Samuel something, and he told him to go back and listen. How powerful would it be, students, if we had older people in our life who knew the voice of God better, who, who knew how to handle the voice of God better, who could perceive the voice of God better, who has been through troubles and tribulations and we could learn from them. How awesome would it be to be able to have an older person pour into us so we could be better off and better disciples of Jesus Christ for him. Some of us in here, I beg you, I beg you, I beg you, I beg you, go to your church Go to your small groups leader, go to your executive pastor, go to the pastor himself and say, you know what? Listen, I'm a, I'm a college kid and I love Jesus and I want to learn about him more and I need help doing it. Can you find me someone to walk with me maybe the next six, seven weeks so I can learn how to walk and mature my faith in Jesus? And I beg you, listen, students, some churches might need a little convincing. Some churches might need a little like, hey, I'm really hungry about this. Have you found me someone that someone yet, be persistent. Find someone that you can go talk to and they can help you. Listen, many of us could grow more in the next six months than you have in the last six years if you could find someone to just help you understand your own calling with God. See, people in our life is important. That's what leads me to my second point. The second point to your calling is the frequency of your calling. Much like that of a radio station, nothing worse than driving in the hills and valleys and you start losing your radio frequency, right? You know, to me, it always happens at a stoplight and this big old semi-driver will pull like right beside me and just messes up my radio, my country music, because I like, I like to kick it back with some cow... No, I don't. All right, I like country music, but I like Christian music because I'm holy, Right? I don't know why I said that. <laughs> it showed me that there's some things in our life that disrupts our frequency from hearing the voice of God. My wife has taught me many things. I am who I am today because of Jesus and Caroline Russell. Amen, hallelujah. I call her my second Holy Spirit, okay? But one of the greatest things that my wife has taught me in this world is to, is to learn how to say no to people. 
Because in our first couple of years of marriage, man, I was, I was full-time ministry. And any time that someone asked me to do something, I was the yes man. Like, oh, yeah, I'd love to help you fix your car. Or I would love to help you bathe your dog, right? Like, I was just like a yes guy, like, all over the place. And, and what was happening is that I was getting so busy with other things that it actually took me away from my own calling. And see, students, to clear the frequency with your life, you might need to learn how to clear your schedule. Maybe we don't hear God because we don't leave room for God. Come on now, I'm tugging on someone's heart right now. If we could look at the own schedule in our life, do we leave room for God? See, Samuel wasn't hearing God when he was running, was he? See, a lot of us do a lot of running around, but we don't leave any time for listening. See, you show me your schedule and I will show you how important Jesus is to you. Some of you need to learn to say no to things around you so you can clear the frequency between you and Jesus. If you're constantly stressed, you're not gonna have a clear frequency. If you're constantly busy, you're not gonna have a clear frequency. If you're always running, in the running, you can't hear the call. You have to be still and hear the call. See, if the calling is important to you, then your schedule should reflect that. See, schedules can dis disrupt your frequency, but what else can mess it up? Nothing more than I can see mess up someone's schedule is people. See, a pastor once said it this way, if your calling is important, then your contact should be important as well. See, how many times do we need to repeat this, students? How many times do all of us need to hear this, that bad company corrupts good moral character? Or what about Proverbs 22? It's something that's spoken to me many times. Make no friendship with a man given to anger, or no go, or, nor go with a raffle man, lest you learn his ways and you entangle yourself in a snare. Proverbs 14, 7 says, Leave the presence of a fool, for there you do not meet the words of knowledge. College students, if I have learned anything from this ice storm, I've learned many things about this ice storm, but if I've learned anything about this ice storm, it's simply this is pruning trees can be painful. See, this summer, me and my buddy, we went out and we had, I don't know, 22 trees in our yard. And I went Michelangelo on those bad boys, all right? Like, I was like, okay, like, trim right here and, like, perfect sculpture here. And, like, the dude was just, like, zipping it. And, I mean, your boy was, like, a fine artist out there. It looked like perfection. And I loved it, right? And I was like, this is great. My wife is like, this is beautiful. Like, a little butt, butt slap, a good game. Like, I was on top of the world, right? Like, this is great. That was easy. But see, this ice storm hits this past week. And we're sitting there and we're like, Jesus, listen, we have 22 trees. I don't want you to hit two of them, all right? Just two of them. You can touch all the rest of them, right? Just don't touch these two. We're sitting there and we're listening in our house. And those two trees were the only two trees that were affected. Literally, not one other tree was affected. The only the two trees that were affected. Pruning can be painful because God will usually have you prune the one thing that you don't want to prune. 
And when I went out and saw those branches and I had to go cut them away and I knew that it was going to look different, it was going to make me look different, make my house look different, just, you know, it was just going to leave a little, it was going to leave change, noticeable change. And when you got to prune something that you don't want to prune, it's going to leave a change in your life. Students, listen, pruning people from our lives, it's not always easy. But what I have found in my life is that it can be extremely painful at times. It hurts bad, and listen, I still love them, but I know that they just can't be in my inner circle. But I knew that I needed to prune them because people's thoughts in my life can be contagious to me. And the people that are in my inner circle, if they're not pushing me closer towards Jesus, then they're, they're going to be pulling me away from Jesus. And they can disturb the frequency in my life because their thoughts start becoming my thoughts. And I start thinking about things of this world and I'm not thinking about Jesus. Students, if you don't have friends that you can say, how are you doing with Jesus today? Then those probably shouldn't be your inner circle friends. You should be friendly. You should love them. Don't get me wrong, but their thoughts become your thoughts. If they're not thinking about Jesus, they're going to pull your thoughts away from Jesus. Students, what friends do we have right now that say, you know what, how can I pray for you today? Man, Simon, listen, I love you, bro. Like, I've noticed a couple things in your life. Like, what can I help you with? How can I make sure that you feel the love of Jesus today? Those are the types of people that need to be your closest friends. See, if your calling is important, students, then your contacts will be important. And I don't know why I feel this, but I feel like God is kind of stirring on my heart that there's a third one. I think that there is a greater frequency disruptor than even friendships. And I think many of us right now, we're in depression. I think a lot of us right now, we're in stress mode, we're in school mode, we're in overwhelmed mode. You might be struggling with something, and I want you to know something, that God wants you, and God loves you for you. God loves you where you are at, and I want you to know that you are loved, and he wants you to know that he cares for you. He wants to invest in you. He wants you to know that he wants to give you a peace that passes all understanding, and he wants you to be the you know, the, the savior of your life. And maybe the greatest frequency disruptor is, is not your schedule. Maybe it's not your contacts. Maybe it's you. See, God isn't looking for a better version of you. He wants you exactly where you are at. You don't have to change anything for you right now to receive a call from God. There's nothing that you can do that can make him love you more, and there's nothing that you can do to make him love you less. God loves you for you. And lastly, this is what I have learned from Samuel's calling, is the conflict of our calling. Three times the Lord spoke to Samuel. And finally, the third time, it says that he went to lay down in his place. Isn't it crazy? Just a side note here, all right. That God's call came to him while he was resting. When was the last time you rested in the Lord? When was the last time that you felt rested? Not that you went and slept a lot. When was the last time you felt rested in the Lord? It's hard to run an engine that doesn't have fuel. I got a generator that proves that, all right. 
Maybe we're not able to hear God's call because we're not in our place, is what it says here in verse 9. It says, go lay down in your place. Maybe some of us don't know our purpose because we haven't found our place. See, the hardest thing and the best thing that I can tell you tonight is when you understand your place is when he can issue your calling. What is our place? What does Eli tell him to say when he goes back to lie down? He says, say this, speak, Lord, for your what? Your servant hears. See, the conflict of our calling isn't the actual call itself. It's finding our place within ourselves to be able to accept the calling. When you speak, Lord, your servant is here, what is he saying? He's saying, Lord, send me. No matter where, no matter what, no matter what's going to happen, no matter all these situations, Lord, I'm a servant of you, and Lord, I want you to send me. Your servant is here. See, when the Lord calls, it's not, well, well, I don't know if I really want to do that. It's not a question of whether you're going to do it or not. You understand it's a gift that we get to do for the Lord, with the Lord, and by the Lord. It's a blessing. It's not a curse to get a call from God. See, I do a couple weddings, I don't know, every summer or so. You know, I, 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 your boy likes to do weddings, surprisingly. I don't know why. But over the last you know, six years, I've been able to do a couple of weddings, I did a wedding a couple years ago. I loved it. They were a crossover couple that met in crossover, grew up in crossover, and got married after crossover. And every time, listen to this, every time they would, uh, every time I do a wedding, they always pay me before the ceremony. So his mama walked up to me and handed me a check, and I looked at it in my Bible. It was like 750 bucks. It's like, your boy's going to Brahms tonight, right? Like, I was excited about it, right? Brahms will get you straight with Jesus, all right? But I did a couple, I did a, a wedding a couple years later. I did a full year of, like, counseling with them. I did, like, four sessions, like, of premarital counseling. I, I mean, this was a very expensive wedding, and I was excited about it, and like their mom was walking up, and said, "Oh, I got to pay you, right?" And I was like, "Oh, well, it's like this is gonna be money, right?" A hundred and twenty-five bucks. <laughs> I was like, "I was like, dude, your your suit rental was was more than that. Like, you got red bottom shoes, girl. Those were fourteen hundred bills right there, right? Like, a hundred and twenty-five bucks, and this has been a year in the making. And listen, like I didn't, I just wasn't dedicated to it. I was like, whatever, like let's get you, let's get you hitched, all right? Like, and the reason why I felt that way is because I didn't feel valued. Students, you can find your place when you can truly say, "Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening," and you can gladly be a servant of Jesus when you understand the price that He paid to get you that holy title. He valued you enough to die for you. When you understand that he came and died for you because he loves you, you will gladly find your place at his feet daily, begging him, speak, Lord, for your servant is here. That is where your place is. The conflict is daily. Listen, students, as I close up here, your conflict is daily putting yourself in your place, and that is at the feet of Jesus, saying, speak, Lord, 
your servant is listening. Listen, this world is constantly pulling you away from Jesus. But your calling starts when you have the source of your calling and you understand the source It then goes when you have a clear frequency with Jesus and you make no distractions, you clear all the distractions around you so you can hear Jesus' calling. And lastly, and most importantly, when you have overcome the conflict of your calling by finding your place and resting in Jesus and being a servant of Jesus no matter what he calls you to do. Amen? Amen. Lord, be with us. Lord, thank you for such a good word. Thank you for a word that we can learn on how to be a servant for you. And Lord, it starts with you. Lord, tonight I know that many of us, we are, we are fixated on this one thing. like It's called a calling. And let us quit being hung up on the calling and start being hung up on the caller that we grow in a relationship with you, that we take the stress away from, oh, I hope I do everything right, but you just lay it down at, at your feet, Lord, and we're able to say, you know what, I'm gonna do each day, I'm gonna beg God for a call, and I'm gonna live according to his will, I'm gonna live according to his word, and I wanna grow in likeness with him daily. Lord, for tonight, I I ask and I beg for us to just lay everything at your feet tonight and let us be able to grow more in you. As we stand up right now, I ask y'all, listen, we're gonna have some prayer team down at front. And if you have anything that you wanna lay down at Jesus' feet tonight, I ask and beg that you come and pray with them. And let's stand up right now as we sing these last couple songs of worship.